Hi there, North Point Community Church. It's great to be with you. I'm Bob, coming to you from Southeast Asia. And I know you're in the midst of a series on the on North Point and how it's been a blessing and a challenge and, and an encouragement to you. Uh, my family and I started uh, North Point Community Church back in 2003. And the pictures you're seeing are just some of the, the pictures of those early years, the first five years as we were uh, just beginning this this new work, God had called my wife and I to to start this church, and we really wanted it to be built on community and friendship and hospitality in our homes and eating together and worshiping together, sharing meals together, and being able to represent Christ to the community. And so, um, in those early days, we had a lot of different activities. Uh, we went to minister in seniors' homes. We uh, had barbecues together. We had missions trips to India and to Uruguay. Uh, just quite a number of different things that were part of, of those early years. And obviously, there's been a lot of transition at, uh, at North Point. And um, we probably don't know very many of you, but uh, it's great for us to be able to, to share a little bit of the story. God called us very clearly to plant this church, and he brought around us uh, many families. There were seven families in the original grouping, and uh, Brad and Deb Spencer were a big part of that. And I understand that today is, is their last day and at, at North Point. And we just want, I, I want to uh, just publicly thank them for, their faithful service to the Lord at North Point over these years. Uh, God has been so good and, and brought so many different people. You probably don't recognize any of the people in these pictures, but these are, as I said, those early days, and God has really blessed this church, and um, I'm thankful to have had a part in it and to, to see that it, it is growing and continuing to, to be a healthy church and thankful for Rick and for his years of ministry there. And uh, now as Tim and Roxanne come and, and are the interim pastor, um, just a real uh, encouragement. And so uh, I just want to um, thank you for inviting me to, to be here today. Uh, thankful to, to Jenny for uh, her invitation to, to share a little bit. Uh, North Point holds a, a very dear place in my heart, and I'm always excited and encouraged to hear uh, what is happening. Um, as you can see from some of these pictures, my children were brought up in this church, and uh, many of these people in these pictures are, are dear friends today. And so um, we, we came to year five of our, our time at North Point, and God began to, to do a work in, in my own heart, uh, feeling like the church was fully self-supporting, it was healthy, it was doing well, and God began to steer us in a new direction, and it was, um, it was just a real um, surprise, I guess, when God spoke to me very clearly one day that uh, he was calling us to the Southeast Asian country that, that we are, are serving in right now. 
we had a very clear call to come to the, the country that we're now serving in. And we arrived here in January 2009 to serve in an international church. Our, our church is made up of people from about 30 different nations. And we gather together to worship and we, we serve together. We love each other. It's a great joy to see people uh, from different countries, different nations, uh, worshiping the Lord together, seeing people baptized and uh, being conformed into the image of Christ. And so it's been a great joy to be able to, to lead this church family and, and to serve. Uh, about four years into our time here, I had begun to notice a, a number of different migrant workers who were living here uh, for various reasons. And there was a, a shanty town fairly close to where I lived that housed about between 2,500 and 3,500 migrant workers. And I used to go and begin to build relationships with these people. And it was during that time that I was introduced to a people group that I'd never heard before, the Rohingya, a people group from Myanmar, uh, who, according to the UNHCR, are the most persecuted people group in the world. And they, many of them surrendered themselves to human traffickers to make their way to different countries around the world where they had hopes of maybe uh, a better life for them and that they might be able to send money back to their families. So they would get on these boats and be on them for anywhere from weeks to months uh, to get to a number of, of different countries. Uh, we, we began a work with these people out of our church and we, we began English classes and computer classes and just began to, to love these people and to serve them and to care for them. Getting to know them and hearing their, their terrible stories of um, uh, just unspeakable kinds of things that they experienced in, in their lives back in Myanmar and then when they traveled to, to our country and to other countries. And as you can see in this picture, there's just gentle and sweet uh, young men. And it's been a joy to be able to develop friendship with them, begin to teach them. Uh, we've just bit finished a, a major food aid program during the COVID-19 uh, to be able to help some of these people who were just destitute. And so for 12 weeks, we were able to go and provide uh, rice and, and food for them and just to serve them and to show them the love of Jesus in, in some very practical ways. These are just the, the faces of some of my friends who, who I have the privilege of working with here. Over the last weeks and months, uh, I've really been thinking on, on this verse out of Micah 6, verse 8. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? These are important words for us to listen to and think about and, and obey. All of us are aware as to what's taking place in the United States right now and, and the protests over racism that is spread around the world. We're living in days where there are more people living in slavery than at any other time in history. Depending on the source, there are between 28 and 40 million people living in slavery right now. In this part of the world where I live, we see slavery and racism 
that is stunning to me, even after being here for, for 11 and a half years. So as followers of Jesus, what should be our role? I've been reading, listening, and praying about this, and I've, I've wondered how we as followers of Christ need to respond to, to the issues that are taking place in our world today. I've, I've really been, been doing a lot of reading and, and listening to sermons and, and podcasts on this whole idea of justice and mercy. In his book, Generous Justice, uh, Tim Keller says that Micah 6 verse 8 is a summary of how God wants us to live. To walk humbly with God is to know him intimately and to be attentive to what he desires and loves. What does that look like for us? We're to be a people who do justice and love mercy. The word for mercy that's used here means God's unconditional grace and compassion. The word for justice puts the emphasis on the action. So Micah is telling us that to walk with God, we must do justice out of merciful love. This is not just a one-time thing. It's it's more than liking something on Facebook or posting an article. It's more than writing a check to a relief organization. There's an underlying assumption that justice is part of our everyday lives. And all of us are to be involved, not just a few of us. Over and over throughout the Old Testament, those words justice and mercy are used in talking about taking care of widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Zechariah 7 verse 10 and 11 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the immigrant or the poor. Jeremiah 9 verse 24 says, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, where in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Keller again says, a deep social conscience and a life poured out in service to others, especially the poor, is the inevitable sign of real faith, and justice is the grand indicator of a real relationship with God. If you know him, it's the, the compassion, that justice, that mercy, that should be growing in you. If it's not there, you don't have the relationship with Jesus that, that maybe you think you do. Justice is at the heart of biblical faith. Why would God say that a deep concern for justice is the inevitable sign of a love relationship with him? Society's view of justice is completely different than a biblical view of justice. Behind the biblical idea of justice is the idea of shalom. In Isaiah 58, verse 7, he says in describing justice, Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? A poor wanderer was, was a person from another country who had come into your country with virtually nothing. It was a refugee. It says we need to share our food to provide shelter, to clothe the naked, and not turn away from your own 
flesh and blood. In this culture where family meant everything, you were to treat the wanderer as if he were your own flesh and blood. God gives the stranger, God gives the refugee the status of family. Proverbs 31 verse 8 says, Speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Proverbs 14 verse 31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. And then Jeremiah 22 verse 16 says, He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? God identifies with the powerless and defends them. Looking out for the poor and needy, looking out for the refugee, is something that honors God. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are the merciful. The main Hebrew word for mercy speaks of an emotional response to the needs of others. It means to feel the pain of another person so deeply that you are compelled to do something about it. Mercy is active compassion that helps the hurting. Mercy is more than pity for another person. It's getting involved with them, caring for them in their need. Mercy is grace in action or grace applied. The Hebrew word for mercy has the idea of identification with the suffering, the suffering of others. Mercy depends on the character of the person showing mercy and not on the person receiving mercy. When we see someone in need, true mercy causes us to feel and think deeply about it and step up to take action, to meet the need. We often use the words grace and mercy as if they were synonymous, but they actually reflect different meanings. One writer talks about that the main idea of grace is God's unmerited love in the free gift he gives in forgiving the sins of the guilty. But the main idea of mercy is that of relieving the misery that our sin brings about. Its main focus is on meeting the needs of the needy. Grace deals with sin and guilt, and mercy deals with the pain, misery, and brokenness caused by that sin and guilt. Mercy begins with simple recognition that someone is hurting around you, but just because we see or feel a need doesn't make us merciful. Mercy moves from feeling to action. It's active compassion for those in need. Mercy is love in action. To get a clear picture of what mercy really is, we need to look at the character of God himself. Mercy has its beginning in the person and character of a holy God. It's an attribute of God's character. Psalm 62 verse 12 tells us that mercy belongs to him. James 5 verse 11 tells us the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Psalm 86 verse 5 tells us that he is good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon him. Micah 7 verse 18 tells us that he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. In 1 Chronicles 21 verse 13, we read 
that his mercy, God's mercy is very great. In Ephesians 2 verse 4, it says that God is rich in mercy. In Titus 3 verse 5, we read that God saved us because of his mercy. If we really want to understand the mercy of God, we need to look at Jesus as he lived his life when he walked this earth. He walked amongst the broken and the needy. He was moved with compassion toward those who were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. His compassion toward people took action, even towards crowds of needy people, because he healed them. He fed them. Blind men would cry out to him, have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy. And Jesus would extend his mercy to them. We read in Ephesians, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Jesus has given us the perfect illustration of mercy in action. He taught us what it means to be someone's neighbor, even if it was somebody who in the view of the world would, was not worthy. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Blessed is the person who shows mercy all the time. Again, like I said, Jesus isn't speaking of an occasional guilt-driven burst of, of temporary charity. He's talking about those who it's part of who they are to show mercy. Mercy is a habitual pattern of their lives. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. If we have experienced God's mercy in our own lives, then we need to respond to that mercy by showing mercy toward others. Over and over, Jesus was a great example of what it means to be merciful. Merciful to the sick, to the poor, to the blind. He, he was a, a, just a, a tremendous example of what a life of mercy is to be like. How can we get to the place where we obey God and love the poor, love the refugee, love the immigrant, and be merciful for God's sake? When Jesus says, if you love the poor, you love me. When Proverbs says, if you lend to the poor, you lend to me. When you insult the poor, you insult me. What, what is that saying? It's saying that God identifies with the poor. But it goes much deeper than that. The Bible shows us what God did to identify with the poor. When God came to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, he was born in a feeding trough. When his parents took him to his circumcision, their offering was two pigeons, the offering that was accepted for the very poor. Jesus was essentially homeless. He said, foxes have holes, birds Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He rode into town on a borrowed donkey. He ate his last meal in a borrowed room. He was buried in a borrowed 
tomb. He was poor. He was a victim of injustice. We can see clearly why God identifies with the poor, with the refugee, and he defends them. He went to the cross in order to do that. These young men and one older gentleman there in the middle, they're all refugees. They all bear the thumbprint of God. They are all worthy of dignity and honor and love. And that's what we've been doing here for the last seven years is reaching into this community and showing the, the, the mercy of God. And my prayer for you is that you would look for those in your city, the city of Calgary, in your community. They're there. You just need to open your eyes and see. What does the Lord require of you, North Point Church, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? So, Lord, I pray for the North Point Church family. I pray that, that they would grow in these areas, that they would walk humbly with you, that they would be a people who um, do justice and love mercy. And, Father, that they would represent you well in the communities in which they live, that they would look for the poor and the needy amongst them, and that they would love them in Jesus' name. We thank you. Amen. So thank you, North Point Church, for the opportunity of sharing with you. Uh, we hope that we will be leaving uh, for Canada next week. Flights have been, uh, our, a few of our flights have been canceled. We were supposed to be back in May, uh, but with the coronavirus and everything that's happening. So our hope is that we will arrive back in Calgary soon and hopefully have the opportunity of being able to be with you in person. So thank you so much for the opportunity of being here. God bless you, church.